Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois And by EasternChristianMedia.com A broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's EasternChristianMedia.com Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We began our program with the sounds of the great fast in the Byzantine Catholic Church, one of our most venerable and moving and richest liturgical services in the Byzantine Catholic Church during the season of the great fast, which we also call the season of great Lent, the season of bright sadness. What you heard was a very significant chant, a prayer, from the Liturgy of the Presanctified Gifts in the Byzantine Catholic Church. And this liturgy is celebrated during the week, usually at least on Wednesdays and Fridays in parishes, at the very, very least on Wednesday evenings, at least once a week, usually more. It's prescribed to be celebrated each day, if that is possible, because it is a Eucharistic liturgy, but different than the Divine Liturgy. You see, in the Lenten tradition in the Byzantine Catholic Church and in many Eastern churches of the Eastern lung of the church, we do not celebrate the consecration like you normally are used to in the Mass or the liturgy. Yet, at the same time, we realize that we need the graces of the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ. And so the Eastern churches had to come up with, a, in a sense, a kind of a solution to receive the body of Christ so as to strengthen us for the rigors of the fast, you know, with all of our strict fasting and almsgiving and prostrations and so on. At the same time, we don't celebrate the divine liturgy, which is very resurrectional in its theme. It has, of course, many themes, the cross, the death, but also primarily the resurrection. It's a rather triumphant liturgy, which would include the consecration. And since we are not at the time of Holy Week where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ, we sort of refrain from that aspect in the liturgies. So the church came up with what we call the Liturgy of the Presanctified Gifts. And actually, this was attributed, interestingly enough, originally to the Pope, that it actually started in Pope Gregory, it actually started in the Western Church or the Roman Catholic Church. 
Then the East picked it up and developed it and has become a real standard, especially in parishes and also in monasteries in the Eastern churches, especially the Byzantine Catholic churches. This service is actually a combination of, well, what many Roman Catholics don't understand is an adoration or a benediction. In other words, we do a lot of adoration of the Eucharist, a lot of reverence of the Eucharist itself. Eucharist is taken in procession. We prostrate before it. We incense it many times. There's very, very solemn chants that accompany all that. At the same time, it's an evening prayer service. It's a Vespers service. And so it kind of combines the two things, Vespers and Eucharist. In fact, you'll notice that this theme of combining two things, two complementary themes or tones, is replete through the celebration and the observance of the great fast in the Eastern churches. In fact, this whole idea of both and, of two complementary things or paradoxes coming together and sort of living in the conversion point of both, living in the convergence point of both, is very much the character of the Eastern spirituality. We're very, very much a spirituality of the union of paradox. And in this service, we have the union of both repentance and of joy, of sorrow and triumph all at the same time, kind of woven together. The service, as I mentioned, starts out as a, an evening prayer service, a Vesper service. And so it starts out with the priest or deacon standing, lar- for the most part, in front of the icon screen, taking on the posture of the fallen Adam, representing all, actually all of fallen mankind, standing outside the gates of paradise, praying and begging and knocking to get back in to that original harmony with God and with the entire cosmos. But during the Vesper service, we celebrate the fact that creation started out with harmony and beauty. So we start out with Psalm 103, which speaks of the beauty of creation. But then we realize that mankind sinned and ruptured that harmony and He was cast out of the garden, so the priest or deacon take turns standing outside the icon screen. The icon screen is a separation between the Holy of Holies, the sanctuary in the church of Byzantine churches, and the nave where the people are. And the people never go beyond the icon screen. The icon screen is a floor-to-ceiling structure, very elaborate. Those of you from the Latin rite may be reminded of the communion rails that separated the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, from the nave of the church, only... I sometimes, tongue-in-cheek, say, add a little water to the communion rail, and it grows like a flower, <laughs> and it grows all the way to the ceiling in Byzantine churches. So we actually have, a, in a sense, a overgrown communion rail. Now, not that we receive communion at this place called the icon screen, but it has a similar kind of theme where it separates the sanctuary from the nave, only goes all the way to the ceiling, floor to ceiling, and across the entire sanctuary. And it both hides and reveals at the same time. There's again, again, you see the both and, that convergence of complementary realities. It reveals heaven in a sense that there are icons that are painted frontally, facing you as you face the icon screen, the altar, as the worshipers do. But beyond the icon screen, the part that is closed off from the laity is the holy of holies. In other words, heaven. And so we're not there yet, so no one is allowed to enter there except for the ordained minister representing Christ the bridegroom, and at times, the bride as well. So there's kind of a fusion point there. The liturgy kind of revolves around this magnificent structure called the icon screen. So the deacon and priest stand outside the icon screen, and they lead the prayer of the litany. In other words, it's a prayer basically of begging, you know, asking God for mercy and for various intentions. And eventually then, what happens is the service moves into what's called the stichida, 
In other words, it's a word which means verses. And these verses are prayers, which are chanted, as always, in our church. And they're chanting the theology or the theme, the, the sort of the theological theme of the day. For instance, this week, this week is the week of the cross, in which we venerate the cross in the Byzantine church. This is the midpoint of Lent, and we put the cross in front of us as a, a way of kind of encouraging ourselves, a sign of victory, that we have this sort of old symbol that kind of goads us on during the rigors of the fast, that there's a point to it, that there's a, a kind of a triumphant banner set up ahead of us in the church. And we literally do this during the services on the Sunday of the third Sunday of Lent, the Sunday of the veneration of the Holy Cross. But during the presanctified liturgy, at the point of the Vesper service, when we come to this Tekira, these are some of the prayers that we say. And notice how the prayers express, as always, what we believe. Because a character of the Eastern Church is that our prayer is our theology, and our theology is our prayer. Like the prodigal son, I squandered my father's wealth, and I grew desolate, living in the land of the wicked. I imitated the rational beast and my folly, I have stripped off every divine grace, and so I return, crying out to you, my compassionate and merciful Father. I have sinned, O God. Welcome me as a penitent and have mercy on me. We also sing this. Envious of your flock, O most pure one, the adversary constantly besieges it, hoping to make a meal for himself. But you, O Theotokos, deliver us from his clutches. Now, that's a very significant theological statement there. Envious of your flock, O most pure one. In fact, you may recall from your catechism that it was Lucifer, you know, the great archangel, his envy of God and of the creature that God would create. In other words, the human person who would have a body, something he would not have. It was his envy that caused him to be cast out of heaven into hell. So it's interesting that the Stichita verses for this day cite this theological reality, envious of your flock, O most pure one, the adversary constantly besieges it, hoping to make a meal for himself. In other words, the sense of devouring our souls, like kind of a evil, an evil force wanting to consume us all the time. And so we are called to repentance and to the graces of the sacraments in order to ward off and to protect ourselves from this devouring creature that we know is the evil one, the father of lies. Now, as the service progresses through these stichita, and there are several, several more, we come then to the point of a procession. Now, this procession goes throughout the church and ends up once again at the doors of the icon screen, where the deacon says, wisdom be attentive, and the lights of the church are raised, and the ordained ministers enter through the middle doors, the royal doors of the icon screen into the sanctuary, and then the deacon incenses the entire church while the congregation sings the ancient hymn, O Joyful Light. And this is a hymn we're going to hear later on, a hymn that is very, very ancient. In fact, it goes back to the second century. And oftentimes when I sing this chant during our Vesper service, it's very moving for me because I think to myself, I am saying the same words that Christians said all the way back in the second century, that we've been praying this prayer ever since. And I actually do feel a kind of a kinship to them through this prayer. It's amazing what prayer does. And the fact that we still have so ancient a prayer preserved in our liturgy in the Byzantine church to me is, is really, really very moving for me. We're going to talk more about this magnificent service of the presanctified gifts when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. 
You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Mysticism, it keeps men sane. So said G.K. Chesterton, the famous thinker and writer of the 20th century. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya with an Eastern Christian Moment. Christian mysticism actually means that which is most real. The mystical reveals and conceals all at the same time. It is life lived in the tension of paradox. God is three distinct persons, yet one God. He is the righteous judge and the lover of mankind. We come to know God precisely by that which we do not know about him. Mysticism forms part of the particular genius of the Eastern Catholic churches. Our church art and architecture are designed to reveal heaven and to conceal heaven, to give us an experience of heaven meeting earth. God is both transcendent and imminent all at the same time. He is uncontainable and infinite, yet was contained within the womb of a virgin. The elaborate and solemn liturgical services of the Eastern Catholic churches provide for the worshiper a sublime experience of what keeps us all sane, mysticism. To find out more about the Eastern Lung of the Church, go to easternchristianmedia.com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. And now, a special Lenten invitation from Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. There's a magnificent service that we pray in our church during the fifth week of Lent. It's called the service of the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete. This service is of timeless duration, but we invite you to experience any part of it throughout the night. There will also be an opportunity for confession. And if you stay for any part of this service, I guarantee you, you'll start to be moved to want to go to confession. It's a profound, profound journey into the whole phenomenon of repentance. As you walk through the Bible with all the Bible verses, the beautiful chants, the prostrations. And it's just this incredible journey to enter into. We also invite seminarians and theologians to the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete, starting at 7, Thursday evening, April 14th, at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Please join us at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host.
you're listening to the hymn, O Joyful Light. In fact, the words of this hymn are, O Joyful Light, Light in Holy Glory of the Father, Immortal, Heavenly, Holy, Blessed One, O Jesus Christ. Now that we have reached the setting of the sun and see the evening light, we sing to you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is fitting at all times to raise a song of praise and measured melody to you, O Son of God, the giver of life. Therefore, the universe sings your glory. As I mentioned before the break, this is the moment in the Vesper service in which we sing a hymn that is so ancient, it goes all the way back to the second century. And it is the culminating moment of a procession that is done. And this marks the essentially the beginning of the next day, as it were, because the day, the calendar, in the liturgical calendar, marks the day from sunset to sunset. So we're ending the first day and actually beginning the next day. But this also signals the coming of Christ the light into the darkness of the world. You see, up until this point, we're sort of concentrating in this service on the fact that we are fallen, fallen from original sin and trying to make our way back, and the world has a certain darkness to it. You know, we plead to God with our litanies, and then we have the procession, and then we sing, O joyful light, and then we actually turn the lights up in the church, or we light extra candles, or we make the church full of light, symbolic of the fact that Christ the light comes into the world. And during the Lenten season, the readings during the week at the Presanctified Liturgy come from the book of Proverbs and also the book of Genesis. But then, soon after, we will have the, one of the most solemn moments of this great and marvelous service called the Liturgy of the Presanctified Gifts, where, in fact, we will actually take the gifts, in other words, the consecrated bread, which is the truly the real presence of Christ in the form of the bread, we will take that in a grand procession while we hear the hymn of the procession that we just heard at the beginning of our program today. And the words during this time are this, Now the powers, the powers of heaven, are serving with us invisibly. For behold, the King of glory enters. For behold, the King of glory enters. They escort the mystical sacrifice already accomplished. Now let us draw near with faith and love that we may become partakers of life everlasting. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And this very solemn hymn and very profound words accompany another great procession, the grand procession of the service in which the Eucharist is brought around through the church and placed upon the altar. Now during this time, as the servers and the deacon and the priest are in procession, the deacon walking backwards, incensing the gifts as the priest holds them up on high. Remember, it's the consecrated bread, so it's the real presence of Christ. He walks through the people, processes through the people, the worshipers, and they are face down. They are prostrated. They can't even lift their eyes to see and look upon the sacred body of Christ as it passes by. But they will become worthy as they continue the service, which will beg again and again for forgiveness and repentance especially with the great prayer of St. Ephraim, which goes like this, O Lord and Master of my life, spare me from the spirit of indifference, despair, lust for power, and idle chatter. Instead, bestow on me your servant, the spirit of integrity, humility, patience, and love. Yes, O Lord and King, let me see my own sins and not judge my brothers and sisters, for you are blessed forever and ever. Amen. This prayer of St. Ephraim is actually made up of three verses, and after each verse, again, we do the customary prostration. And the prostration is an act of our whole body becoming repentance. So in other words, we actually fall to the ground and put our head to the ground and come back up again and do the sign of the cross. 
and we do it again for as many times as it's required by the service. As we begin to make ourselves more and more worthy to receive the body of Christ, the service continues in the form more of a liturgy, and in a sense, a kind of an adoration of the Eucharist, because there's an awful lot of incensing that goes on of the gifts, incensing of the altar, incensing of the church, many prostrations, many sort of bowing down in the presence of the Eucharist. In the Eastern churches, we do not have per se the custom, as in the Latin rite, of adoration of the Eucharist or of benediction. But you might say we do have them sort of ensconced in this liturgy of the presanctified gifts. There's also several moments in our divine liturgy in which we have the gifts on the altar and they are incensed and we bow before them as well. So in a sense, the Eastern Churches takes that custom of adoring the Eucharist, irreverencing it, in a sense like a benediction, and kind of ensconces it within a service. But we don't have a service itself of benediction or of adoration in the Byzantine Church per se. For us in the Byzantine Church, when we come to pray, we tend to pray before an icon or in the presence of icons. If you come into a church, we don't expose the Eucharist in a monstrance. It remains in the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is always on top of the altar. It never moves from there. So we know that the Lord is present in that Eucharist, in the tabernacle, but we also sense the Lord's presence by being surrounded by the icons. And the icons themselves are sacramental, so they do communicate the presence of God. Surely not exactly, of course, like the bread that is consecrated. It becomes the body of Christ. But nonetheless, it still gives us a sense of being caught up in that other heavenly reality, as does this entire service of the liturgy of the presanctified gifts. We'll conclude our program with more sounds of the season of Lent in the Byzantine Church with one of our most moving hymns, The Grieving Mother. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 